Hey, hey, hello, this is Chris Olson and welcome to Shoutbox. So I'm gonna give a shout out today to the fact that life is really complicated, but luckily there's some amazing people out there that are very willing and able to help. And today on our program, we'll be featuring one of those wonderful people. With us today is Chase Norris. Chase identifies as female to male transgender, is a certified therapist and trans advocate based out of Rock Island. He is the founder of Clock Inc., an organization to provide support, education groups, counseling, workshops, community events, and more uh, for the LGBT community in the Quad City area. So it's an organization that provides resources for all ages, for all genders, and all cultures. It's very inclusive, and uh, I've just recently learned about it and would love to hear more. So Chase, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. Let's let's start off at the beginning. So you're a therapist who specializes in LGBTQ concerns and you know mental health. I had actually found out about Clock Inc. from a friend of mine uh, and was just really excited because I know there are folks who are struggling with their identity in a home environment that isn't necessarily safe or helpful to their, their mental health in particular and, and not having a good place to be able to realize who they are. And and when I learned about you know what you're doing, I was really excited. So I'd love for you just to tell me, you know, tell me more about Clock Inc. and what you're doing and and what's going on. Yeah, so when I was finishing the end of my internship, I had started at the organization I was working with, their first adult and youth LGBT group. Those were separate. As graduation got closer, I didn't feel confident that the organization was going to continue the group, and I had about six or seven regular kids coming to group. It was a, at the time, build medical insurance group and didn't feel good about just up and leaving them and asked them if you could have any resource in the Quad Cities, what do you want? And they all said somewhere to go, a community center. And when they said that it was okay, let's be realistic. What else do you want? And that was it. They wanted that. And so started doing research the following week and all the kids came back and it's like, okay, so this is kind of what I'm thinking. We're going to try to see what we can do to make it happen. And everything in my business plan, every idea suggestion came from these kids. When I graduated this past December, moved group to a friend's private practice, which turned into a free support community group, and then started getting a lot more attention, started going through all the process of becoming a nonprofit, incorporated, filing for our 501c3 status, but 111 days got the keys to our our building, and 134 days became an official 501c3, and these kids are still coming every week. We have a variety of different community groups. We have eight or nine right now. We have youth, adult parents and allies, transgender, non-binary, spouses and partners of transgender individuals, LGBT families, all ages, all gender group, youth and adult drop-ins. We have counseling that is provided by me. We have our first workshop we plan to launch is youth drag king and queen involvement, which is completely free to them. It'd be a two-day workshop having a couple queens and kings come dedicate their time volunteering and teach these kids about what drag is, how to develop a character, picking a drag name, making a costume, makeup, putting on a beard, because there's a negative stigma attached to drag where it's just a guy in a dress on stage, which isn't always the case, but watching a friend personally super shy, awkward, didn't have many friends growing up and on a dare got him to do drag and 
developed a sense of confidence and self-esteem and has gone on for national pageants and titles, I want to give kids that same experience of a way to release and develop that confidence within themselves and their identity. And I think that's super important. And basic skills, workshops, cooking, how to make a budget for those who maybe haven't been supported by their family and are out in the real world and how do you find an apartment? How do you budget on factoring in rent, internet, whereas people are often like, oh, internet's 30 bucks a month. What about the installation and the activation fee? So like the small things that if you have support from family, you know to look out for, but if you're going into this blind, just having those skills already in place, we have an LGBT training and then a separate transgender training. It could be for parents, school teachers, educators, counselors, parents, anybody who is interested. We have those trainings. You can request a speaker or a training in general that are educating the population on how to work with all of those individuals. That's exceptional. I had no idea just how deep that was running because it, it sounds like you're actually doing a combination of advocacy on adulting, on education. Is there a target age range you're aiming the center at? Oh, definitely the youth. High school age, middle school. I always remind these kids that they are way more brave and confident than I ever could have been. Kids are coming out younger and younger and it's more so talked about their social media. You can't watch TV or movies without seeing something LGBT involved where that wasn't a thing when I was growing up. Do you feel that that has helped a lot of folks be able to identify earlier? Identifying, yes, because if I know I knew I wasn't meant to be a girl. I knew my name. I knew the male aspect that I needed to be to feel confident at six years old, but I didn't think that was an option. I, there was no term attached to that. There was nobody that I felt that I could ask because I didn't think that that was even possible. But now with social media and how far we have come, we still have a long way to go. But it's more talked about. It's not uncommon to hear the word transgender and, oh, I know what that means or I've heard it. But then in the media, if you're portraying certain individuals or seeing it on media, just one individual representing an identity, if there's a negative aspect attached to that, that's giving off a negative vibe to allies and people who are trying to be educated. Well, I don't care for this person, so that must be all of the population. And that goes for every identity, every ethnic background, race. You have a bad experience or you're only seeing one side. You're not going to have the full understanding of what this population is really about. Let's talk a little bit about that in general, though. I know that, that one of the things that's really you know interesting is how how codified gender presentation has become and now there are a set number of boxes and luckily I think that they're they're becoming more complex you know right now which is a good thing but there's still a, a separation and, and a distinctuality that is perceived in a, in a lot of cases as opposed to the smooth blend can you talk to me a little bit about what, what your thoughts are on just the, the binary and the spectrum when it comes to gender society definitely has dictated what is male what is female I mean you see pink, you think girl, dolls, action figures, when essentially action figures are still dolls. They're just superheroes or G.I. Joe. And so society has put you already in a box based on what you were assigned at birth with. I have processed my own identity, and I'm very confident in who I am and how I present. 
but I have a bunch of young individuals who are coming out as female to male transgender and oh well do I feel like I need to cut my hair and have short hair or I need to dress a certain way and but I'm really into being an artist and a makeup artist and so am I not allowed to wear makeup and I always tell these kids like you are you nobody can tell you how to be I always let them know the most masculine thing about me is my beard and my truck other than that I don't fit the stereotypical mannerisms of a male. I also spent 22 years of my life as a female. That plays a huge role. I'm often mistaken as a gay individual, and that doesn't bother me because there's nothing wrong with that. That's not how I personally identify, but that's nobody's business, and I don't feel the need to correct them, but I don't always present the most masculine way. And so there's no right or wrong way to be them. I'm in the process of growing my hair out. Never would have had that when I first came out because I felt that I needed to fit that stereotypical box of man and you needed to be as masculine as possible. And so I always remind these kids that no one is you. No one can tell you what to like, what not to like. If you want to start hormones and start the medical transition and wear makeup, no one can tell you no because if that's what makes you you and confident, that's the only thing that matters. Absolutely. The path to identity is a lifelong process. And I think that we're constantly, you know, discovering ourselves and what it is that feels the most authentic to our sort of in- internal voice. And it's, it's fascinating the the sort of trappings that that we perceive at different points in our life that we feel represent who we are. There's so much emphasis on then taking that coding and attributing it to that person's character or that, that person's actual identity or persona. And there's definitely a difference. Oh, yeah. And I hate labels. You don't need a label to be you. But then again, seeing the different perspective, you have to have some sort of label, which a lot of forms, whether it's for employees or whatever, there's what's your sex, male or female? Well, it should be listed as gender, but some in some cases you're male or female. But if you haven't started hormones and you don't feel confident based on how you present, that hurts people and makes them feel anxiety, body dysphoria, going into a bathroom if it's male or female. There's many people who don't identify one or the other, where do they go? And then you're constantly being forced to label yourself, even if you're just trying to still process and kind of figure yourself out. And that looks different for everybody where I knew I needed to be male. That's how I wanted to identify. That was my true self. I came out first as a lesbian thinking, okay, well, maybe this will work and I can just get by by dating the gender that I'm attracted to. And so there's always a step process and some people come out as something and that can change because they're still trying to figure it out and society is definitely growing and there's a lot more understanding of like you had said earlier we're all trying to figure ourselves out even in adulthood I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be in the world and what I want to do with my life but as far as identity I feel very confident that this is where I need to be but that's not the same path as everybody else in their thought process. I think that's the single most important thing is particularly when you're trying to find out who who you are, there are going to be things that attract you. It may be literal sexual attraction. It may be, say, tribal, for lack of a better term. And if you have one, you know, that's better, 
please <laughs> let me know. I'd love to know that. But you're belonging to a group. There's something about that group that is calling to you that makes you feel more accepted or understood or that you understand what they're doing. I think that idea of as you're becoming comfortable with yourself, you're able to find your own path. It's a, it's a perpetually branching thing. In the beginning, maybe it feels like it needs to be a black and white, but there's so many rich shades of gray. And in the end, there's a lot of very unique colors and shades all across you know the world of all these individual things that collectively as a people... <laughs> <laughs> we're really rich, we're really exciting, and we complement each other so well. And, and this this idea of conformity, I think, is just so toxic. Oh, yeah. And where I know the group that I personally find attractive or whatever, but that who's to say that I meet somebody of the opposing gender and there's a connection there, there's a level of attraction that can change. It's not like even looking at straight cisgender individuals who male like female you're not going to like you could be in a room of a hundred females you may not have a level of attraction or connection to any of them but somewhere down the road there could be something about this male that you're attracted to and there's a connection there that could happen which there's the Kinsey scale of sexuality and not everybody is a hundred percent straight or gay it's all about the person same with going back to straight cisgender individuals you're not going to like every male or every female the same for the lgbt community and it's finding a person that you share common interests and there's a level of attraction and there's that commitment to making whatever relationship that looks like for you work to be successful in what you both agree and wanting and consenting to it doesn't have to be black or white it's based on that individual, and every relationship is going to look different regardless of the individuals involved. I'd love to do a whole episode just on you know the social engineering that we have inadvertently or purposefully created. There is certainly some level of conscious or unconscious engineering that has got us where we are. With that in mind, there's a lot of confusion that occurs because I believe that you know humans are attracted to other humans. And it's literally that broad. And in some of the, the gender roles that we've created in particular, clamp down on how that interaction is supposed to go. And by bottling it up and trying to, to repurpose it, it confuses the crap out of people. You know, like, I, I'm really attracted to this person. They're, they're the same sex as me. I don't know what to do with that. Does it make me gay? Does it make me not? Does it matter? You know, I, I think that that being able to just, just be open about that and explore that and not have to not have to feel, you know, some sense of shame because someone has at some point said that that might not be, you know, what is is appropriate in this circumstance has always really frustrated me and and and, and it doesn't make a lot of sense and yet there's that it, it, it's a fairly, you know, still prevalent toxic idea. Oh, I completely agree and it definitely noticed a lot more with straight cisgender males being perceived as gay or anything in any form feminine is instantly wrong because why wouldn't you want to be a man? Why wouldn't you want to be masculine? This is the superior gender, like showing any sort of emotion, feelings, attraction to another male. It's instantly frowned upon because that's taking away of that masculinity of the male gender. And it shouldn't be because there's nothing wrong with that. And it's the same with females. You could fall in love with one female and that may be the only female that you are attracted to or have a connection with and you date males the rest of 
your dating career. It doesn't have to be put just, okay, well, I'm dating somebody of the same sex now. I have to be this. That's when I hate having a label. You don't need to change your sexual identity. You don't even have to have one because at the end of the day, you're a human who is forming a connection and a bond and a relationship with another human that makes you human, not gay, straight, whatever, you're human. Everyone is striving for connection. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I feel there's so much confusion in, in how we can connect with each other. And specifically from a, a, a male construct, I think that, you know, men are afraid to touch each other. Men are afraid to connect. They're afraid to hug. They're afraid to hold hands. Friends, you know, that, that, why is that? I know, again, why some of that perception is, but it's it's really a shame. To actually touch on one of the original questions I broached you about this before we even did this podcast today, was all, all of that negativity that can occur, you know, how does that impact someone who then, you know, is seeing that they're identifying differently than those around them are wanting to ascribe to them? You're 13, you're 12, you're you know, 16, 18, whatever it is, and you're growing up and you're in a home and you're not given space for that. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen or how that affects the individual? I know for me personally, because it wasn't a topic that ever came up in our family, it wasn't something I was seeing on TV, there wasn't an outlet to ever even just process out loud. And it's so lonely and that's when depression, anxiety, and mental health really becomes an issue based on what you're viewing or if someone in your family brings up the fact that this is wrong or what you're feeling is anything but, quote, normal. I developed a sense of fear that I was told myself, this is how it's going to be. You're going to stay a female. You're going to marry a guy. You're going to have kids. You're going to do whatever you need to do to please your family and to paint that picture that society has painted for you. And if there's no way to say that out loud or the level of trust in friends and family. That's why there's so many people who are coming out later in life because there was that fear of abandonment. And I think that's why it's so overwhelming during the coming out stage because odds are that's where you've thought about it for years, months, whatever that time frame is. When you finally are coming out to somebody, most likely the first time you're saying those words out loud, where you've thought it forever, but you're physically saying it, it's such an overwhelming experience because not only are you going through all of these things internally, and then you've just said it out loud for the first time that you've heard, but then there's also that instant feedback of, oh, this is wrong, this isn't okay. So now you're going through all these conflicting emotions of, okay, I'm free, I've said it, here we go. Oh, nope, need to put that all back because now it's not accepted. And now I fear my living situation, my relationship with my family. What does Christmas look like now? Do I come home? There's all of those issues. And if you're coming out at a very young age where you are in middle school or high school and you've still got so many more years of living at home, those could be the worst years of your life. There's always that option of being abandoned by your family and you have nowhere to go. That's why the homeless population, the statistics are incredibly high number of LGBT individuals because there wasn't support and they 
were turned away. To that point, in your role, it sounds like you're doing amazing work in, in helping to educate the families of, of individuals who are following their identity path and learning who they are, as well as the individuals, which again, I applaud you for. I'm really excited to hear anytime anyone is doing this kind of work. So, you know, good work. You know, I, I guess I would ask if someone right now who might know of someone who is, you know, in the process of coming out or a process of, of, of learning about their identity, uh, do you have any suggestions or, uh, I mean, obviously I would love for you to be able to share how they can, you know, get in touch with you and Clock. If you have any other suggestions on steps they can take or things they can do, I'd love to hear that. Definitely find your support system. There's always someone, whether it's somebody you know, taking that courageous step to walk through the door of a safe place, whether it's here in the Quad Cities at Clock or wherever it is in your community, just being able to know that you're in a safe place to even just to say that out loud for the first time where you know for a fact you're going to get that instant approval and that this is okay that you're feeling this way or this is okay that you're thinking of this. Having some sort of support system in place where you're not alone, regardless of how you identify, there's always a community somewhere, whether that's in your hometown or social media. I know I've had a bunch of parents or individuals contact our Facebook page or email, hey, this is kind of where I'm at. And I had a couple weeks ago a middle school kid who came out to their mom that he was trans and mom was very, very supportive, but mom is still learning the process and, well, set up a time and we'll just chat about this is my experience, this is the resources, this is what my transition looked like. Everyone's is going to be different, but these are kind of the steps that I took and this is what steps other people took. Majority of people who aren't supporting or allies are people who lack education. They don't have knowledge. For people who look at me, walk by me on the street, whatever, see pictures, you would have no idea that I was born a female. I live a normal life. I wake up in the morning. I feed my dogs like everybody else. I get in my truck. I drive to work. I'm normal like everybody else. I don't have this weird life that people are assuming that, oh, transgenders are fill in the blank here. Like, I do everything like everybody else. I just have a different story than most. And so it's okay to find those places to just process and figure out who it is you're meant to be and who you want to be. Because at the end of the day, if you don't love you, you're only going to get so far. You're absolutely right. It's all the individual stories, all those authentic stories that make us the richest. How can someone contact you and Clock? They can go to our Facebook page, our Instagram. We just got a Twitter. I don't really know how to use it, but we have one. There's our email our phone number, everything's on the Facebook page or our website, which is www.clockinc.org. All of our contact info is on there, our groups, our services that we offer, even if it's just, hey, thank you for existing, or even just knowing that we're here gives somebody that support, even if they never use our services, knowing that if they needed us, we exist, we're here, this is a safe place, however they want to use our services or whatever the whole aspect of CLOCK is, this isn't my center, it's your center. If we don't have a service that you want, my job is to make it happen 
We have, I think, our last three new groups were suggested by people in the community. Cool. You want us spouses and partners of transgender individuals? Pick a time and date and I'll make it happen. And so we've yet to say no to any request that we've had and our goal is to whatever you want your community center to be, that's what it's going to be. Fantastic. And again, it's uh, www.clock, C-L-O-C-K, Inc, I-N-C dot O-R-G. You're located in Rock Island, Illinois, correct? Yes. What's the phone number? How can people get a hold of you at Clock? The phone number to Clock is 309-558-0956. 309-558-0956. That's fantastic. Uh, well, uh, Chase, thank you so much for joining the program today. Uh, it's a wonderful story, and you know, I'm inspired to hear the work you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me and including me. So thank you again for joining us. And again, special thanks to Chase Norris, our guest today, founder of Clock, Inc. You can learn more about Chase and his work by visiting www.clockinc.org or by calling 309-558-0956. There's a lot of amazing stories out there, and there's a lot of questions. You know, Every time I do one of these podcasts, I, I learn more and I realize how much I don't know yet. And, you know, one of these things I'd love to do is find ways to add to your questions and bring in people that you'd love to hear from, too. So I'd love for you to drop me a line at shoutbox at kaiharding.com. Just to, you know, share your story. Tell us something amazing we don't know or, you know, ask a question. Maybe we can find someone who can answer it. Or drop us an email at shoutbox at kaiharding.com. Today's program was recorded at BAM Studios in Chicago, edited and mixed by Sven at Blue Box Studio, and our theme music was written and performed by Melody Jane Wachtel of the band This Is A Stick Up. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, have a beautiful week. Take care.